She is a poet, a performer, and a body positive activist from Columbus, Ohio. She has competed in multiple national poetry slam competitions and was a finalist twice in 2011. Her first full-length collection of poems, Fat Girl Finishing School, was published in 2014. Her newest collection, Nothing is Okay, was published in 2018. Firecrackers, please welcome Rachel Wiley. Welcome to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I'm Isabel, your host and founder and firebrand of The Uprising Spark, a digital platform that offers life coaching products and services for modern, independent, child-free women. Our aim is to build a strong female community and to connect empowered women around the globe. How did you get started in poetry? <laughs> um, I started out by going to a local open mic, um, mostly to hide from some terrible roommates. <laughs> to like, not be at home when they were home. Um, and uh, I sort of just really fell in love with it. I had a background or do have a background in theater first. So it was sort of an extension of that. Um, and once I sort of started playing with poetry and performing my own poetry, um, I was gone. I was done for. So yeah, just shitty roommates will <laughs> Thanks to the shoe roommates for that. How long ago right. was this? <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> <laughs> How long ago was this? Um, this was 2008, I want to say. 2009 is when I started attending the poetry show on a regular basis. Yeah, and then I started reading probably in 2010. And so I, then I got more focused on writing. Um around 2011. And then it just took off from there. It just took over my life from that point. Well, it became one of your passions, I imagine. Oh, absolutely. And what, what, how would you define your style of poetry? Mm. I mean, I suppose it's free verse. It's, um, but if there are rules, I want to break them. So I don't know, my big sister calls them battle cries. I don't know if that's a poetry genre but I would like it. <laughs> I like that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I think it's just poetry to me though um I think once we start putting it in boxes it limits it so yeah I just sort of stay away from too many labels um there's a lot of weird I don't know gatekeeping in poetry that I just don't want to participate in I think it happens in many other professions and many other forms of art as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I'm just like, I'm a poet. I write poetry. <laughs> <laughs> That's all that. it is. <laughs> I love that. And you've published two books so far. First one was Fat Girl Finishing School, right? Mm -hmm. Correct. And the newest one is Nothing Is Okay. Correct. I love that title, um, then, by the way. <laughs> um, and Fat Girl Finishing School is being re-released uh, in June this year. Um, my current publisher bought it from my old publisher, and we did some tweaks and a new cover. And so we're going to send it back out into the world a little sparklier than before. So I'm really excited about that. Yeah, of course. That's awesome. How would you describe Fat Girl Finishing School like... Um, it's very much my like sort of coming of age as a 
force of nature. Like it was <laughs> a lot of those poems were written while I was learning about the power I hold and how to wield it. So yeah, I think that's what it is for me. It's a lot of like, oh, <laughs> it's a lot of permission. Like I, I got a lot of permission when I was writing that book that I didn't know I was waiting for. Um, so yeah, it's very, got a lot of that like new kid energy that I don't have so much of now, <laughs> but I have, I have more wisdom now than I did then. And, and what about the, the latest one? Nothing is okay. Uh, nothing is okay was written sort of entrenched in a heartbreak. So it was just a really, it's, to me, it's a very sophomore book. Uh, it feels like my second book. Um, it's a little darker. Um, but I'm working on a third manuscript that's even darker. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's so nothing is okay is also is me coming into in a lot of ways coming into my queerness. When I wrote Fat Girl Finishing School, I was fairly certain <laughs> or at least in deep denial um, about being queer. I was fairly certain I was straight. I had this whole plan, an idea for my life, and it was sort of starting to unravel. During Nothing is Okay, it completely unraveled. Um, and I sort of came to terms with the idea that this life I had pictured for myself was not happening and finding power and joy in that. Wow, that's really powerful, I think. I mean, the, the mm. part about finding you know, power and joy and just coming to terms with who you are and doing that through poetry, yeah. I think it's a really... I, I'm guessing, I'm not sure, but that book, I'm sure it helped a lot of people. I mean, I hope so. I get I get a decent number of messages. Um, and I think even if it just helps like a couple of people, you know, get out of bed after a breakup or after something that caused heartbreak, like um, I feel really like blessed that I get, that I helped them in any way. Yeah. I mean, it's a great feeling, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I also get messages uh, sometimes from women who listen. To I'm sure, yeah. They're like, "Oh my god, thanks so much for putting all these stories out there." Because you know, it's just um, think, validation. Yeah, so many of us are just waiting for permission, and we don't know that's what we're waiting for until we get it, and then we're like, "What? I'm allowed to, you know, not want to have children. I'm allowed to love my fat body. I'm allowed to, you know." to like want different things. Um, I'm allowed to change my mind. Like all of those things, I think we don't always, we know them on a surface level, but we don't know them deeply. Like we haven't internalized it. And then somebody will say it just the right way. And you're like, oh, I can do that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's funny though, because um, it's, it's like, we don't, we don't give ourselves permission, but it's like, we're right. waiting permission from <laughs> no, like, right exactly <laughs> like we don't need anyone's permission it's our life you don't need anyone's permission it's your permission you're just waiting for somebody to remind you that you have it <laughs> yeah absolutely so just uh right before we, we got uh started i was telling mm -hmm. you about the paper babies poem that i love mm -hmm. i saw it i don't i think i think i saw it on your page on, on facebook and then it got shared around you know the child free pages and it's mm -hmm. just like, people are like, oh my God, I love this so much. What can you tell us about that poem? Because it's actually very inspiring for child, the childhood community. Um, I think for a long time, I, there was a point in my life where I wanted to be a mother. 
um, in this sort of like in idea mostly, um, less in reality. <laughs> um, and then like the older I got, the more, I don't know, the more the reality of it started to show itself. And I sort of had to shed this idea that I wanted to be a mother, like, or I, or I, you know, I had to come to terms with it. And it wasn't, you know, some flippant thing. It wasn't, you know, like, oh, I want, you know, I don't want kids. It was just, and for some people it can be, and that's fine. But for me, I, sometimes I describe where I am now. Like I got here the way, like, I don't know, a space shuttle gets into space. Like it, it takes off and then pieces of it start sort of breaking away um, and falling back to earth. And then it's just, you know, out there. And so this was one of those pieces, like motherhood was one of those pieces that had to break away from me. Um, And it sort of came to a head because my boyfriend at the time sort of kept casually mentioning children. (laughs) And I was just like, and I would sort of tense up. And then I was like, why am I tensing up? Um, I mean, aside from him being just like, I don't know, a wild alcoholic, I was also just like, do I even want kids? (laughs) Like, is that... Um, and I'd also had the experience of watching a number of my friends have children very early and what that was like for them. And yeah, I was just like, I don't, I don't know if this is for me. I've, I've been in multiple, you know, um, hospital rooms when friends were giving birth, like every part of it that I was like, well, maybe this part is okay. <laughs> I was like, no, that that's awful. Um, uh, nope. I, I'm not interested in it. Um, so yeah, it just, it sort of all came together. Um, but I had at one point made plans in my head about what kind of mother I would be or what I would name a baby um, and things like that. So would you say you kind of eased into the idea of not being a mom? It wasn't like like one thing that happened specifically, you were like, oh my God, I can right. give myself permission for this. It was like mm-hmm. little by little. And you no, were like, little mm-hmm. by little. I was just sort of like, I let myself question the desire. Um, I think we sometimes get these like desires and we're like, this is what I want. And then when you really boil it down, you're like, why do I want that? And like, do I want this for the right reason? And like, do I want this in reality? Like, is this a life I, I want to live? And when you start picking it apart, you know, so for some people, they get a lot of very strong parts that say yes. And for other people, you know, you strip it down and you're like, oh, oh, no, I don't, I don't want any of it. Yeah. Um, and that's what happened for me with motherhood. I was just like, uh, I don't I don't think this is for me. I love being an auntie. But yeah, motherhood. Uh-uh. Yeah, I'm, I mean, I, I think many of my listeners can relate to that, including myself. Um, you know, how you start uh, making a list in your head of the things that you thought maybe were going to be cool about motherhood, and then you're like, um, and then maybe harsh reality. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like maybe that's not going to fit very well with the fact that I love uh, sleeping in until really late or traveling right, on a whim or and, yes, all those things. You know, yeah. like not or like. So last year, actually, my best friend and her two children ended up in a situation where um, they didn't have anywhere to go. So they moved in with me for a while and it confirmed everything (laughs) um, (laughs) that I thought about. I was just like, oh, (laughs) Um, I don't like this. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. 
there are little people in my house that are always asking for things. Um, and I love them. I love them dearly, but I'm just like, get out of my house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, it, why is it my job to feed you? What's going on? Yeah. Plus they're messy and... Yeah, I think if you really want to know if, I mean, motherhood is for you before having kids, you need to like live with toddlers for at least a week. Mm-hmm. Or even like, I don't know, a six-year-old, they're pretty evil. Um, <laughs> oh, <wow>. <laughs> <laughs> just, I don't, just, oh, they're diabolical. Um, <laughs> they have a little more like means of manipulation at that age. Oh my um, God, yeah. Uh, but they're just as unreasonable as toddlers. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I love my nephew, but I was, uh, I was pretty done with living with him after a while. Um, just, you know, telling somebody like, Hey, wash your hands. <laughs> like That's not a life I want to live. <laughs> yeah. It's the little things, isn't it? It's all these little things that are, oh, just so simple. <laughs> but when I hear, like, when I hear too much for me. Yeah, when I hear parents talk about, you know, the the things that are most challenging for them in parenthood, it's usually those mm-hmm. little things. It's usually getting the kid into bed. It's usually feeding the kid. It's usually, right. you know. Potty training, bath time, um, <laughs> getting them to eat something that they don't want to eat. And, yeah, exactly. You know, and you're too tired to cook something else. Like, yeah. All of that. Yeah. I, I actually admire parents like good parents because they're shitty oh, parents absolutely. shitty parents are oh they're all terrible different. ones but like yeah the good ones i i applaud constantly i'm like good for you uh that's not my life um but like yeah i have a lot of friends with kids and you know i applaud them <laughs> but i also sometimes just look at it and i'm like yeah i mean i'm making the right choice yeah absolutely i know you're in a relationship right now and because yes. you post a lot about uh, your partner on, on yes. social media, does she yeah. think the same way you do about kids or? Um, it's similar. She, um, I mean, she and I talk about um, the word selfish. We're both just like, we're too selfish and people take that as some sort of negative thing. And I like, think it's a really necessary thing to know about yourself. So, um, yeah. And like, it's a, it's a, it's not the worst thing in the world to be. It can be when you, you know, like anything else, don't moderate it. But yeah, we're, she works with kids though. So she works at a high school. So she gets, you know, she sees plenty of kids. I mean, she loves her job, but parenting is not something either of us <laughs> super into at all. Like we will be everybody's favorite aunties, but motherhood isn't it. And that's okay. Um, she's a musician. She travels a lot. She's a performer. She, you know, we both travel a ton and we don't really want to give that up. We yeah. don't want to, we don't like the idea of giving our autonomy to another being. Yeah. I think that, I think it boils down to just being free in general mm-hmm. for every childhood person. It boils, boils down to, I like my freedom. I don't want anything to fuck with it basically. Right. Right. Yeah. And, uh, I think people want to like villainize that, but I'm like, but do you want me being a parent? I don't think you do. <laughs> I wouldn't be, I wouldn't actually be good at it <laughs> because I would be miserable. Yeah. That's another thing. I, I think, you know, people that choose freely and voluntarily not to have children are self-aware in that sense, you know, Yes. 
Like I, I don't want to have kids because it's better for the kids. <laughs> like, trust me. This is one way to uh, break the cycle is to end the lineage right here. You're listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the kid-free community. I would really like to talk to, with you about body positivity and fat shaming because yeah. you are an activist in that sense and I am com- mm-hmm. completely ignorant about everything that has to do with <laughs> that. So I'm just like, I want to know everything. How did you get Words. into it? So it kind of started with a poem, like a lot of things in my life do. Um, I was exploring some feelings around navigating the world in a fat body. And I wrote this poem called Gorgon. And it was sort of about the fashion industry, um, not making clothes for larger bodies, um, and overall the world not making itself accessible to larger bodies, even though like there are plenty of us. And then like performing that poem really made me feel empowered in a way that I had not felt before. Um, And that sort of began my journey into what started as the body positive movement. Um, I don't identify with the body positive movement anymore. It's a little more, it's a little shallow for me now. Um, It's a little like cutesy and let's all feel cute in our swimsuits. And that's the end goal where I identify more now with uh, fat liberation and body liberation. And basically the idea is just that, you know, let people live how they choose. Um, You know, nobody's body is anybody else's business. So that's that's where I've ended up over the last couple of years. I'm just sort of further away from body positivity. But I think it came in stages for me. Like first it was body acceptance. And acceptance is essentially like the first step of most anything, you know. Um, so yeah. yes, I learned to accept my body. And then you learn to get positive about your body. Um, so yeah, I spent some years identifying with that movement. And now I'm in this stage where uh, I think freedom is the goal. Autonomy is the goal. Yeah, that's where I am with it now is, is I've moved further into just wanting everybody to just mind their business <laughs> um, yeah. and wanting to be regarded as a human being. I think we need more of that, you know, people minding their own yeah. business, not met Right, it's absolutely free. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, dude, seriously. It's okay. <laughs> it's, but I mean, I also came to recognize, so when the, like my first... The first time a poem of mine went viral, it was a poem called 10 Honest Thoughts on Being Loved by a Skinny Boy. And it went viral. And then I got a ton of hate mail, <laughs> like so much hate mail. And I quickly realized that none of it had anything to do with me. Whenever, you know, you interrogate somebody's shitty comments, um, about another person's body, you can pretty quickly figure out that it is somebody who doesn't like their own body. Um, and they are angry that this person who they perceive to have a less desirable body than theirs 
is happy. You know, like they think we've cheated. They think that, you know, we cut the line or something. And so they're angry. Yeah. Um, and like, that's just not the case. Um, and if I had time, you know, if somebody wants to give me a grant to sit at home and like crack the code on all the haters, I wouldn't mind it, but I don't have that kind of time or energy. I don't have that kind of capacity. So I think I'm in this place right now where I just want to empower people to move towards liberation, towards living their best lives, live for themselves and not for these ideals. That's awesome. Um, I'm wondering now because it just came to my mind. It's it's so hard nowadays with all the crap that we get thrown at through social media, uh, you mm-hmm. know, TV, magazines, mm-hmm. you name it. It's mm-hmm. really hard to come to terms with a body that is less than perfect, perfect, quote unquote, you know, as per it is being shown to us. Right. If there's anyone listening to this podcast right now who is struggling with uh, their own body, I mean, loving themselves, accept, accepting themselves, what mm-hmm. would you tell them? Like, what would you advise them in that sense? What worked for you? Um, I think one of the first things was recognizing that even the people we see on the magazines, you know, even the Instagram models, even the stars are criticized constantly. Like, so these ideals are not meetable. They'll never be meetable. They're not there for you to like, these aren't goals for you to meet. These are means for people to make money off of your insecurities. So like, you can't live for that. Like, and like body acceptance, body positivity, body liberation, none of these have an end moment. You know, I still have days where I struggle. You know, we're all still going to have days where we struggle. (laughs) Like, um, the flyest Instagram model you can think of has days where she hates her body. You know, that's the society we live in. So you have to live for yourself and what you want, you know, um, and interrogate why you think you would be happier, thinner, you know, and if you do find that that's something that you want, then you know, there are ways to go about that, that don't involve shame. There are ways that go about that, that um, involve really loving your body. Like, people will say things to me like, Oh, if you're, you know, fat positive, or you're, you know, whatever, you must hate anybody that loses weight. And I'm like, no, <laughs> not at all. Uh, bodies fluctuate. That's a thing. Some people might feel better in a smaller body. But interrogate your reasons. Like really, really question yourself. And that goes for, you know, anything, you know, that you feel is unattainable to you. Um, why do you want it so bad? Yeah. It also goes for motherhood, by the way. <laughs> Why God. do you want it so bad? Why do you want it so bad? Yeah. Because sometimes Did somebody it's, tell you to want this. Yeah, exactly. Um, sometimes it's the, it's the social yeah. construct of it. You know, it's not, it comes from outside. I mean, it's not coming from within. Right. And I mean, when I like, there are things like that have shifted, but not changed for me. Like when I was young, you know, in high school and whatnot, I absolutely just, hated leg hair, would shave my legs constantly. Would just uh, If there was even the littlest bit of stubble, I, I would just be like, oh my God, I'm a wildebeest. Um, <laughs> I was just, 
<laughs> you know, I was a maniac about it. Um, and then like, as I learned about feminism and, you know, body autonomy and like, you know, cause I would just be so embarrassed if there was hair on my legs. Like it said something about my worth that I, you know, wasn't attractive in some way or something. And then when I interrogated that, as I got older, I still shave my legs, but it's because I want to shave my legs because I, I like the feel, um, of, you know, lotion over freshly shaved legs. And it's not because I'm a beast if I don't, you know, like, so it started in a weird place in an unhealthy place. But, you know, questioning myself, because I think people worry if they question themselves, then they're going to come out the other side, you know, feeling completely different. And they're not ready to reckon with that. But you might not, you know, it might not change you that deeply. It might just make you understand why you do the things you do. And then you can do them for healthy reasons, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I think it all boils down to what is it that you want and just go ahead and do that without paying attention to right. anything that's <laughs> being said around you. Right. You know, yeah, shush the outside influences. Um, maybe they, you know, maybe an, an outside influence isn't a terrible thing, but you have to check it like anything else. You know, um, you don't just let anybody into your house. You know, you like open the door a crack and you're like, all right, what do you want? Should you be here? Do I want what you're bringing in? No, I don't think I want what you're bringing in. (laughs) So then you shut the door. Um, You don't let them in. Um, And you can do that with everything. You don't have to let everything in. You can interrogate it all. And you can interrogate the things you have let in before you knew better. It doesn't make you a hypocrite or a liar. It just makes you like an evolving human being. A normal human being. Right. It's what we're meant to do. Absolutely. Um, so the activism that you do, of course, you do it through your poetry, like you mentioned. Right. But do you do mm-hmm. anything else? Do you participate in any other activities? I mean, um, visibility will always be a form of activism when you have a body <laughs> that uh, doesn't fit mainstream beauty standards. So uh, I love going out and being visible. I like being visible on social media. I think just letting myself even be videotaped and, you know, not videotaped. God, I'm old. <laughs> Recorded <laughs> and put online. <laughs> Aged myself real hard video. Um, but like, you know, having performances. Um, so performance has always been part of what I do regardless. And part of the inspiration behind pursuing that that art form is visibility, just being in front of people saying like, oh, you came to this thing and now I'm on the stage and now you have to look at me. And so that's, that's probably my first thing is just always being visible, not hiding myself further. I mean, in terms of um, body activism, like fat activism, that's probably what I do most that and performing poems, writing poems, keeping my work available and in the world. Um, and then as a feminist, um, as a biracial woman, um, I work with a writing retreat called Pink Door, mm-hmm. where it is, it's a retreat only for writers of color, women, non-binary, trans folks, femmes, just not cis dudes, basically. Um, Interesting. And we, we create this space to 
empower, to relax, to get away from the oppressive nature of living in a, you know, cishet patriarchal society so that, you know, those voices have the energy to keep going in the world because these are the voices the world needs most. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. What did you say the name of the um, workshop was? Is it the, retreat, retreat? the retreat. The retreat is called, yeah, it's a retreat. It's uh, one week in upstate New York every summer. Um, it's called the Pink Door Writers Retreat. Um, yeah, we just, we start getting applications probably in March. Um, we sift through hundreds. We last year took on a few too many people, um, which, because it's very hard to, to turn people away. Um, but we stretched our resources so hard last year that I think we realized we have to in order to run the retreat properly. So yeah, we teach writing workshops. We, you know, just commune with each other. Um, we try to bring people from all walks of life. Um, and just, you know, and so people have like bonds that they would otherwise not have. Yeah, these retreats are important to also to exchange creativity or creative ideas, basically. Exactly. That and just, again, all like all the ways we're waiting for permission, you know, like oh going, <laughs> you yeah. know, like they get just the whole week is just people exchanging permission the whole time. I've been going, this thing started in, I want to say 2011. And uh, yeah, I'm totally different person um, than I was when I started going. Um, You know, we we interrogate how, you know, women and, you know, non-cis males um, can recover from their own misogyny, their own ingrained misogyny and embrace people in our community better and support each other better. So yeah, that's, that's a major focus of what I do as an activist right now. Awesome. I'm going to leave you guys uh, the link to the pink door down here in case you want to check it out. Thank you. We take donations all year round. So um, yeah, it is primarily donation funded. So by all means, (laughs) if people want to throw money at that, we will, we will rejoice. Rachel, if they want to find out where your next performance is, where should they go looking? Um, I mean, I post most of my information these days on Instagram, um, where I am dangerously in Chubb. Or they can just look up Rachel Wiley. I'm pretty sure you can find me there. Um, I have a website that I don't keep updated very well. Um, So Instagram is probably the most reliable right now. Um, cause I limit my social media activity to one outlet. But yeah, that's where I am. That's where you can find me. If you're not an Instagrammer, then I have the Facebook artist page that my publisher is really good at updating. Yeah. So I'm going to leave you guys those links down here as well. If you want to follow Rachel, uh, on Instagram or check out her page on, on Facebook. Actually, her page is really cool because, uh, there's a lot of videos of you, um, Mm-hmm. Yeah, doing poetry. That yeah. is my publisher doing the thing. <laughs> they were like, "Can we take this over?" And I was like, "Yeah, I don't care. <laughs> go for it." That's awesome. I think it's really cool to see you perform as well because there's so much passion in in when you're doing, you know, up there on stage and you're 
reading your poetry is just so passionate and it's just so Thank raw you. and it's so deep and it's so personal. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. Oh, well, Rachel, it's been such a pleasure having you here in my show. Yeah. Um, Thank you for having me. Oh, it's, it's been really awesome. Is there anything you would like to add before I let you go uh, for my audience? Anything you want to tell them? Uh, not, not that I can think of. <laughs> um, just, uh, I don't know. Stay hydrated. It's more important than people realize. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You heard it here from Rachel Wiley. So I stay hydrated, people. <laughs> well, thank you so much again for your time. And if I'm going to link as well some of uh, Rachel's videos down here so you can check out her poetry. And also her Amazon, uh, you know, her both books, both of her books on Amazon. I'm going to link them here in case yeah, you want to grab a copy. <laughs> Yay. Yay. Cool. All right. Well, thanks again. Take care. Thank you. Take care. Thank you for listening to The Honest Uproar, a podcast where modern, child-free women share their life stories and where we discuss important topics for the Cape Fear community. We hope you tune in next week for our newest episode. And since we love hanging out with you, please be sure to follow us on social media at The Honest Uproar and visit our website at thehonestuproar.com. If you like what you heard, feel free to share with your fierce, child-free firecracker friends. Until next time, continue fueling your inner fire.